0: Hello and welcome to The Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tianlu, coming up in this edition. Witnesses say the Israeli military has carried out airstrikes on Gaza City and bombarded parts of Hanunis in the south. The International Court of Justice has rejected most of Ukraine's claims against Russia that accuse Moscow of discrimination and financing terrorism. And the CEOs of Meta, TikTok, X and other social media companies are facing tough questions at a U.S. Senate hearing over their efforts to combat online child abuse. We start in the Middle East. While Hamas is reportedly studying a new truce agreement that could see weeks of ceasefire in exchange for the release of hostages, witnesses say the Israeli military has carried out airstrikes on Gaza City and bombarded parts of Hanunis in the south. Meantime, the Israeli government is divided over the Gaza deal, with the national security minister threatening to quit the government over any attempt to enter what he calls a reckless deal with Hamas to retrieve hostages. Sarah Coates has details.
1: This is really the sentiment from the far right. Uh, ben Gavir threatening to bring down the government if a reckless deal is made. But look, it is important to point out that the opposition is offering Netanyahu a safety net to try and bring these people back. And look, uh, these families of course are furious. They are putting so much pressure on the government. These people have been in the Strip now for more than 115 days and there are major concerns over their whereabouts and of course their welfare. Now we do understand that Israel's spy chief the head of the Mossad, David Barnea, he presented this plan to Israeli officials last night. It's understood the principles of this are somewhere along the line of a 35 Five day pause in fighting. This would be for the first stage, and that would be for the release of 35 captives. These would be elderly, sick, injured. Uh, It is during this phase it's understood that a second phase would then be discussed. But look, part of this plan would mean that Israeli forces would have to pull back from these densely populated areas in Gaza. And look what we've been hearing from the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu time and time again is Israeli forces will not pull out of the Gaza Strip. He also says that he will not release thousands of Palestinian prisoners. So look, this is certainly very concerning for these families. They just want their loved ones home. And Netanyahu has reportedly said to these families, I will not okay a deal that harms Israel's security. He says he is working on a deal, but not at any price.
0: That was Sarah Coates. A new draft resolution calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza is expected to be tabled at the UN Security Council in the coming days. In addressing the council on Wednesday, Algeria insisted that council members must immediately ensure the voice of justice is heard following the verdict by the International Court of Justice. Earlier, the court at The Hague ruled that Israeli forces must avoid committing genocidal acts against the Palestinians after South Africa brought a case against the country. But the United States is saying that conditions for a ceasefire are non-existent. Jody Jacobs reports from New York.
2: Algeria, the only Arab country represented at the United Nations Security Council, says it's preparing to present a draft resolution that calls for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. The country's permanent representative told the council that this call will be in line with the measures mentioned in the decision by the International Court of Justice, the ICJ. He says that the council must insist that Israel implements all the measures as outlined by the court. But the United States says conditions in Gaza do not allow for a ceasefire at this stage, an indication perhaps that the U.S. will likely oppose such a call in the council. It has not made any finding that this preliminary phase of the proceedings, that Israel committed genocide or otherwise violated the Genocide Convention. And indeed, the United States continues to believe that such allegations are unfounded. And that rather than try and will a ceasefire into existence when the conditions to sustain it, unfortunately, don't exist. We must instead work toward a durable solution to this conflict through the hard work of on the ground, relentless diplomacy. The Palestinian permanent observer to the UN, Riyad Mansour, at another meeting on Palestine here at the UN headquarters, said that once a ceasefire is accomplished, they will call for full membership at the United Nations and then call on the General Assembly to convene an international peace conference to achieve a two-state solution. Israel says it remains committed to mitigating civilian harm in Gaza and will continue to facilitate humanitarian aid according to international law. It says it is that South Africa's claim of genocide will be rejected by the ICJ at the next phase of court proceedings. Meanwhile, South Africa, which led the charge at the ICJ, insists that the Security Council must immediately outline measures that it will take to enforce the court's ruling. Should this fail, South Africa says it will approach the General Assembly, which has previously voted in favor of a ceasefire.
0: That was Jodie Jacobs at the UN headquarters in New York. Now turning to Europe... The International Court of Justice has rejected most of Ukraine's claims against Russia. Kyiv had accused Moscow of discrimination and financing terrorism. The ruling comes as Ukraine and Russia conducted a prisoner swap on Wednesday, just a week after Moscow claimed that Kyiv had shot down a military transport plane carrying Ukrainian prisoners of war over Russia's Belgorod region. Megumi Lim has more from Kyiv.
3: Earlier on Wednesday, Ukraine and Russia conducted a prisoner swap just one week after a previous exchange was halted when a military transport plane, which Moscow claims carried Ukrainian captives, was shot down over the Belgorod region. Russia and Ukraine said around 200 prisoners were swapped, but the two sides disagreed on the exact figure. Kiev said 207 captives had returned home, while Moscow said exactly 195 prisoners were exchanged from each side. The swap comes against the backdrop of a potential shake-up of Ukraine's military command. Several media reports this week said Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky had asked Ukraine's top General Valery Zelužny to step down. Zaluzhny refused to do so and remains in his post, but the future of his career is in question amid ongoing tensions between him and the president. Now, the Kremlin said on Wednesday it was monitoring the situation and its spokesman Dmitry Peskov attributed the potential shake-up to Kiev's regime having problems thanks to the success of Russia's special military operation.
0: That was Magumi Lim on the Russia-Ukraine conflict. In the United States, following up on the drone attack that saw three U.S. troops killed in Jordan over the weekend, Washington has pinned the blame on the Iran-backed Islamic resistance in Iraq. But Iran has denied any involvement and threatened to respond should the U.S. harm Iranian interests. Meantime, U.S. forces have stepped up their offensive against the Houthi group in Yemen, while the Houthis say they've launched a fresh attack on the U.S. vessel in the Gulf of Aden. With the unrelenting conflict between Israel and Palestine, the United Nations says Gaza has been left uninhabitable. John Gambrell has more
4: we've heard from the white house which now has said it assesses that the islamic resistance of iraq this shia militia umbrella group there is responsible for this attack in jordan that killed those three u.s troops now that draws the line closer to iran as iran's revolutionary guard is believed to have very close relationship with this group now iran has denied being involved in the attack and we've heard from its ambassador to the united nations He threatened a real response from Iran if the U.S. attacks Iranian territory or any place with Iranian interests. All this comes as there's been sort of this growing concern over a regional escalation as Israel's war on Hamas and the Gaza Strip continues. Iran and the U.S. haven't had a direct military confrontation, but as we've heard from U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, this is one of the most dangerous moments in the Middle East in some 50 years. Meanwhile, we're continuing to see these attacks by militia groups in the wider Middle East. That includes Yemen's Houthi rebels who have launched a new missile attack on a U.S. warship in the Red Sea. That ship shot down that missile, avoiding any damage, and no one was hurt. And we also saw the U.S. launch a new airstrike on Yemeni territory held by the Houthis. The Americans say they targeted a surface-to-air missile battery that could have posed a danger to U.S. airplanes Flying over Yemen. Meanwhile, there's still continued work on a proposal to have a new ceasefire. We've heard from Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu. He met with some of the families of those remaining 100 hostages in the Gaza Strip. He said that work was going on even during that meeting to try to get a ceasefire across the line, but he didn't offer any details. What we know right now is the proposal that's before Israel and Hamas is for a two-month sort of phase ceasefire that would see those hostages released in exchange for an unknown number of Palestinians held in Israeli prisons, as well as more aid going into the Gaza Strip. But even getting aid into the Gaza Strip remains difficult. We've seen again another protest by Israelis angered by any aid going into Gaza. They blocked a crossing between Israel and the Gaza Strip, uh, blocking trucks from carrying that aid inside and security forces ended up detaining dozens of people there during that demonstration. Meanwhile, the the concern about aid is growing wider. We heard from one U.N. official who was speaking at the United Nations. He said that there just wasn't enough aid going in, that people in Gaza are facing temperatures in the single digits at night with localized flood water still from these heavy winter rains we've seen, some people in makeshift shelters, others in tents outside, trying to just survive the elements. And this official acknowledged that What's going into Gaza is just grossly inadequate for those people in need.
0: Now, was John Gambrough reporting. Elsewhere, the CEOs of Meta, TikTok, X and other social media companies are facing tough questions at the U.S. Senate hearing over their efforts to combat online child abuse. Wednesday's hearing began with recorded testimony from children and parents who said they or their children have been exploited on social media. Nick Harper reports from Washington.
5: Have you apologised to the victims? An angry exchange about online abuse. Would you like to do so now? They're here, you're on national television. Would you like now to apologise to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Them- Forcing the CEO of both Facebook and Instagram, Mark Zuckerberg, to make a personal apology, saying, I'm sorry for everything you've all been through. So to continue doing industry-leading
4: efforts to, uh, to make sure that no one has to go through the types of things that your families have had to suffer.
5: Listening were angry and grieving parents of children who, facing online abuse, took their own lives. The CEOs of Meta, TikTok, Discord, Snap and X testified on their efforts to protect children on their platforms.
3: Keeping teens safe online requires a collaborative effort as well as collective action. We share the committee's concern and commitment to protect young people online and we welcome the opportunity to work with you on legislation to achieve this goal.
5: Bad things can still happen when people use online services. That's why we believe that people under the age of 13 are not ready to communicate on Snapchat. The committee heard recorded testimony from children who had been targeted by sexual predators, leading many of the senators to accuse the companies of putting profits over safety, branding the platforms dangerous.
3: Mr. Zuckerberg, you and the companies, I know you don't mean it to be so, but you have blood on your hands. You have a product that's killing people.
5: Congress has previously discussed laws to hold tech companies accountable for online child sex abuse, allowing victims to sue. But so far, none of the proposals has become law. And Wednesday's hearing, despite the lawmakers' outrage and the CEO's promises, offered no quick fix to keep children safe online.
0: That was Nick Hupper reporting from Washington. Turning to China, the Chinese Ministry of Finance has reported on the country's fiscal revenue and expenditure for the full year of 2023. The ministry says the general public budget revenue increased 6.4 percent to exceed 21 trillion yuan, or about 2.9 trillion U.S. dollars, last year. Chen Chenying has details.
6: One of the key messages is that benefiting from the economic rebound and the introduction of uh, the large-scale value-added tax refunds in 2022, China's fiscal revenue witnessed a uh, increase in 2023. The national general public budget revenue exceeded 21 trillion yuan last year, and that is an increase of over 6.4% year-on-year. And when it comes to a local perspective, income generated in the uh, eastern, central, western, and northeastern Regions, they all increased by 6.7%, 6.8%, 10.7%, and 12%, respectively. And all uh, 31 provinces recorded positive fiscal revenue growth. And also, this year, China's finance ministry said it would continue to look for more ways to bolster domestic demand and help the world's second largest economy regain its momentum. Uh, So the ministry said that the country's budget deficit would be maintained at, quote, unquote, a certain level in 2024, and added that the authorities would continue to set what it put as an appropriate quota for new special local government bonds. And that is a key source of infrastructure investment. And that way, overall government spending would increase, and the finance ministry says uh, that would play a better role uh, stimulating domestic demand and officials also said during the conference at uh, the presser that the central government would continue transferring funds to help uh, those local authorities to meet their basic spending needs with poor areas receiving preference the finance ministry said officials would introduce uh, tax cuts to support technological innovation agriculture and manufacturing development in rural areas particularly
0: That was Zheng Chun-in on China's fiscal revenue and expenditure in 2023. Recapping today's headlines. Witnesses say the Israeli military has carried out airstrikes on Gaza City and bombarded parts of Hyunus in the south. The International Court of Justice has rejected most of Ukraine's claims against Russia, which accuses Moscow of discrimination and financing terrorism. And the CEOs of Meta, TikTok, X and other social media companies have faced tough questions at a US Senate hearing over their efforts to combat online child abuse. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tianlu.